This message came really from uh, a prayer I prayed at the beginning of the pandemic. What I said was, help me to know more of your thoughts during this time. Uh, and God answered me, I, I believe. And I'll, what I'm sharing today is comes from that prayer. Have you ever thought about what you are thinking? Every word, every action, every prayer starts with a thought. When we watch television or read a book, we allow other people's thoughts into our minds. These may be good, bad or neutral thoughts. Or if we are listening to a sermon, they may be God's thoughts. Someone I know says, oftentimes, please engage your brain before you let your mouth run riot. I try and do that. <laughs> How do we get to know what God thinks about something, God's perspective on things. It says in Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9, My thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than above the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that kind of puts us off because we think, Oh, God's thoughts are too, much, too high for me. I can't attain these thoughts. I can't think God's thoughts. I can't get God's perspective on what on my life. It's important to realise that it's all through God's grace. God's work in us through the Holy Spirit is what's important here. Romans 12 verse 2 says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. It actually says, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The writer of Hebrews says of God's new covenant with us in Hebrews 10 verse 16, I will put my laws in your heart and I will write them on their minds. So God does the, th the work. He puts his thoughts in our minds. As we are renewed, as we come before God, our minds are being renewed day by day, and God can put his thoughts in our minds. That's a wonderful thing. I just want to mention three areas now where it's important to know what God is thinking, how what God's perspective is on these situations. And the first one is, we need to have God's perspective on our enemies. And we all have enemies. We have physical enemies maybe, but maybe most of all, we are, as a church, we have spiritual enemies. One of my favorite chapters uh, in the Old Testament is 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 to 17. Uh, I'll just give you the background of this. Uh, I don't want to read the, the old, uh, um, all the verses for the sake of time. But it's the story when uh, the king of Aram was attacking the king of Israel. And every time he came up to the king of Israel, uh, uh, he found that the, to ambush him, the king of Aram always found the king of Israel was there before him. And he wondered why was this the case? Because it happened two or three times, or maybe more. And then somebody, it must have been gossiping, told him, the reason why the king of Israel always knows where you are is that Elisha the prophet finds out from God, gets God's thoughts, God's perspective on what you're doing, and he tells the king of Israel. So the king of Aram decided, the best idea I've got now is to get rid of this prophet Elijah. So he sent all his army to just 
one man to get rid of Elisha. That was his aim. And the first person I want to talk about is the servant of Elisha. The servant of Elisha, he must have thought when he saw, looked after the window and saw the armies of the king of Aram. He must have thought, I wish I hadn't taken that job with Abraham down the road rather than this Elisha prophet person. <sighs> he said to Elisha, have you seen all the enemies outside? Have you seen what's happening? And Elisha, he wasn't disturbed at all. What he did was he prayed two prayers. Elisha had God's perspective. He knew what God's thoughts were about these enemies. And the first prayer he prayed was for the, to help his servant get the, the right idea. He prayed the prayer, Lord, open now my servant's eyes. Once he prayed that prayer, he said, look out the window again, look out again. And the, and the servant saw all the armies, uh, the heavenly armies, in between himself and Elisha and the armies of the king of Aram. And then Elisha prayed another prayer, Lord, blind the armies of the king of Aram. Make them all blind. He knew exactly what to do. He wasn't disturbed in any way because Elisha had the power of the weapon of prayer. 2 Corinthians 4 says we have the weapons of our warfare are not of earthly nature. They come from God. And this weapon of prayer is important because Elisha prayed twice. He didn't pray long prayers. He prayed very short prayers. And notice they were answered immediately. I believe in the power of persistent prayer. But in the, in the coming days, I believe that we're going to pray prayers and we're going to see immediate answers as Elisha did here. And that was the victory that he had. The victory, the first important thing to, to deal with is our enemies. Have we got the right perspective of our enemies? He didn't deny that the enemies were there. He just knew that they were weak. And the end of the story is the king of Aram never attacked the king of Israel again. Because Elisha had resisted his enemy in the name of Jesus, he resisted through the prayers, proved through two prayers, he gained the victory. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Our enemy is strong, but God is far, far, far stronger. The second thought I want to have uh, to make is we want need to know God's thoughts on our circumstances. Sometimes we go through things, and we don't know what really what God's doing, do we? When I was thirteen, I remember this well. It's a long time ago, I know, but I was in the second year of grammar school. In the first year, I struggled a bit, but by the second year, by the time the second year come, I was beginning to get back on my feet. And I was beginning to realise I was quite bright, really. And so, uh, the, uh, towards the end of the second year, I was second in every subject. I was only beaten in every subject by this girl called Janine Brennan, who actually married a Michael Hughes later on, but thankfully not me. And she beat me in every subject, but I was second. I was doing quite well in a grammar school top stream. And the headmaster 
And this particular day, I decided he was going to come round into our class and decide what we we're going to do to take to take GCSE, GC, GC, GCEs in those days. And I thought I wanted to take French and German. I thought this would be good for me. I, I, that was my desire. That was my thought. The Latin teacher thought I should take Latin and Greek because he, I was quite good at Latin too. He wanted me to take Latin and Greek. So I thought, well, surely the headmaster is going to agree with what I think. And he came round, he, 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 sometimes he let the person choose what they were going to take for subjects. He came to me, he said, Jews, you're good at science, aren't you? You will take the three sciences. And he didn't give me a chance to answer. That was the end of the story. And if anybody listening to this or hearing or watching this remembers, it was Mr. Philip Venice, Dr. Philip Venice, you didn't argue with him at all. That was it. I was stunned. I thought, what am I going to do now? But it turned out for far, far better than I thought. And when I took the sciences, I ended up taking chemistry at university. I ended up doing, uh, having a job in science, which I loved. All because my circumstances were slightly changed. God had, had his hand in that situation. And God has his hand on our circumstances. If you read Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 32... It's a story of Cleopas and his mate. They were on their way to the road on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection of Jesus. And they were downcast. It says in verse 17. Because their plans had been destroyed. They had hoped that Jesus was going to deliver Israel from the Romans. It didn't. That didn't seem to be happening. And so they were confused by the, the stories they had heard that were happening. And so their, their circumstances were really were very confusing. But the Bible says, the passage says, Jesus himself drew near. And that was this, this, the answer to what they needed. I believe that was the greatest sermon ever preached. And it was the two people, Cleopas and his mate. We don't know the name of the mate. Could have been a man or a woman. But Cleopas was never mentioned again in the Bible. I checked that out this morning. And, we don't, and the mate, well, he wasn't mentioned anyway. But they were important to Jesus. You might, th say to, might think, might say about your circumstances, they're not important to God. God's too busy with other people. No, these are the insignificant disciples. You're like you may think you are, but Jesus drew near to them and preached the greatest sermon. How did he do it? He first of all told them where they had gone wrong. Oh, ye of little faith. And then he talked about himself and he built up their faith to such a degree their hearts began to burn within them and when they finally got to the destination he brought bread with them so their faith was increased and then he, he realized they realized that he they were right with God he had fellowship with them he was saying to them I you are right with me you, you are 
in good relationship, in right standing with me. And then as he left them and they realised who it was, they realised the peace of God came upon them and the joy of God came upon them. They'd forgotten what they came to this place for and they ran back to the disciples. So God had a way of, tra of showing them that their circumstances were, that his way was better, far better than what they were talking about. Jesus had a plan, plan far greater and better, and who better to reveal that plan to them but Jesus? In the book of Job, Job spent a lot of time trying to understand what God's purpose was in his troubles. It was only when God showed his power to Job in chapters 20, 38 to 41, they didn't have chapters in those days, but you know what I mean, that Job, Job got, through, got God's perspective, God's thoughts on his circumstances, and his final end was far better than he could ever have hoped. He was in a difficult situation, far worse than any of us probably have ever experienced in our lives, but he gained a victory because God showed him his thoughts. He revealed his perspective to Job, and in the end, Job said, I, what I said and what I thought was wrong, now I know that you are indeed God. And he then, his fortunes were then totally restored and his circumstances completely changed. So we need to get God's perspective on our circumstances and what's hap what happens to us. The final thing I want to talk about is we need to know what God thoughts, God's thoughts are about us. We are not the centre of the universe. Jesus is. So someone once said, get over yourself. That's not very nice to say to somebody who's in trouble. So I don't recommend that. But I want to talk about somebody now who had already got God's perspective on himself. And that person was John the Baptist. In chapter 3, in verse 26, some discouraging people came to John and said in effect, Everyone used to come to you to be baptised. Now they are going to this man, Jesus, so it looks like you are failing. I suppose if John the Baptist had a church of 5,000 about a few weeks before, and he suddenly his church, his, his disciples had gone down to about 30. And a lot of them had gone to, talk, to, to listen to Jesus. So these discouraging people said, you failed. But John says, oh no. John had got, got God's perspective on himself right. Jesus was like the bridegroom. John was the best man. John's reason for existing or actually ministering the baptism he did was the point to Jesus. And he knew that. And so he rejoiced when he lost his disciples and Jesus gained them. The best man's job is to point to the bridegroom. He's the main man. Jesus is the main man. God's idea was that Jesus should receive the glory, not John. And John agreed. He said, I must decrease. He must increase. So that's my three thoughts on thoughts. It's important to have our thoughts 
correct on our enemies. Don't allow your enemies to get the better of you because you have the victory. It's important to get your thoughts correct on your circumstances. When you're confused, ask God to give, him, give you his thoughts on what's happening. And he will. All you have to do is pray. And seek to bring glory to God in everything you do. Because that's your purpose. It's not to have yourself at the centre. It's to have God at the centre. The psalmist said that God's thoughts about us are more than the grains of the sand can be numbered. That can be numbered. So he is willing to share those thoughts with you. Jesus died and gave himself for us that we, we should live for him. God lo loves to let us know what his thoughts are. And he has much more to say to us through his Holy Spirit than we've ever known before. So listen to what God's perspective, what God's thoughts are. And I recommend the prayer I prayed. Right at the beginning, I said, help me to know more of your thoughts during this time. That was only three months, I thought, for the first, uh, for, uh, first but it's turned out to be quite a lot longer than that. But um, my question is, are we listening to him? We need to listen more. Thank you, Mark. Um, really good to hear the word of God there. And thank you to Karen and Leone and the team for that lovely worship. It's, it's so nice to be able to just enjoy the freedom to worship. Yep. My goodness, I don't have anyone telling me how to worship mm. or what to do or what you may not do. We are free in this country to worship the Lord yeah. and to get his word. So thank you guys for taking us into that great place. But you know, as Mike was sharing Okay, I had a couple of thoughts uh, as well, thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. Uh, <laughs> but he, he mentioned the scripture in Isaiah 55, mm. and I just want to round up the, the whole day for us, the service. Uh, he read verse 8. Mike was quoting Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways. And yes, Mike, it is a famous scripture. Mm. And Mike was saying to us how we need to get God's thoughts on our enemies, our circumstances, and, and ourselves. ourselves yeah. So important that. But I want us just to back up quickly. Can I just read the two verses before that? Mm. Uh, verse uh, 3 says, Incline your ear and come to me, and hear so your soul will live. Mm. This isn't a case of God's thoughts are so remote and far that we can't access no. them. It's actually an invitation mm. saying, hey, come to me. And I'll tell you my thoughts. And it goes on in verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. God is saying, please, would you come to me and ask me? I want to give you my thoughts. Mm. But how do we get these thoughts, Wayne? If you think about this book as written with words, it started off with thoughts mm. from our Heavenly Father. He put these thoughts into words That's so right. these very words are his thoughts so when we are reading the word of god or we read it and we speak it out loud we are actually reading and speaking That's his right. very thoughts okay you mentioned something so interesting there you see you said thoughts became written words mm -hmm. well you see here's a process for you just think about this thoughts always turning to actions. Mm -hmm. You can't do any action without first thinking about it. Right. So your thoughts become actions. And whenever you start doing the same action over and over and over, it becomes a habit. habit and right. habits then become lifestyles. Mm. And lifestyle 
determines your destiny. That's right. So when we have negative thoughts and worrying thoughts, then it results in negative actions, which results in a negative habit forming, negative lifestyle and a negative Mm. destination and that reminds me of like that servant wasn't it that's uh, right that uh, mike spoke about yes he could have been so negative and he could have he could have done a wrong action and run out into the enemy and got killed he could have but you know we can be like that too wayne mm. and especially now in this season that we've just experienced with COVID, and have have some of us become really fearful in our thoughts About because COVID. of COVID, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. and start to hide in our houses or don't want, so don't to, want to go, out. go back into mm-hmm. the world anymore. So, yeah. And you said a thought then becomes an action. So even though mm-hmm. shops and things have opened, your action could be, oh, I'm just, I don't want to go beyond my That's front right. fence because I'm afraid. And could that yeah. then become mm-hmm. a lifestyle? That's right. And then... A destiny where you can become reclusive. We've seen that. Uh, all the statistics are showing that suicide is up by something like 30%. Mm. Mental health and depression is off the charts high. Mm. So what's happening is thoughts are becoming actions mm. and lifestyle and people are actually getting sick and of habits it. and then it becomes depression because and you're stuck in there by yourself. Right. But that's where we need to change the thought because Re- the thought it. was first written to us from Jesus yes. not to fear. That's right. So we got to, what God's saying to us in the scripture is replace those negative thoughts with God's thoughts. That's what Mike was talking about, circumstances, myself, and even our enemy. And this COVID fear factor of COVID is an enemy. So we need to fight against it. Let's change it over. Mm. Let's say we have positive thoughts and say, you know what? God is for me. He will protect me. I am safe. The church is safe. I will not fear. I will not fear. I will trust the Lord and I will live And I'm going to go for walks. I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to start to live my life again. Mm. And now all of a sudden you're going to land up with positive habits, positive actions and a positive destiny. If we just apply what Michael is teaching us. Mm. But go back to the how. You said there, it's the word of God. Mm. Did you know, Claire, that every single thought that God has in the past been saying is documented right here. This book is a collection of his thoughts. God's thoughts. So if I take his thoughts and I start to meditate, then they become mine. Mm. And Mike even said that. He says he writes them on our heart. Mm. But you first have to read quite a bit and, and, and meditate on it because... For it to go from your just your thinking into written in your oh, heart. Oh yes, it's or not if, just once. If you're spending your, just in your day and say a fearful thought comes up, then what you've read about don't fear, don't be afraid, mm-hmm. which is written in your heart, will suddenly pop up and say, That's right. I, I can do this, I don't need to be you afraid. You need to hear it over and over and over. So I've got a challenge for you. Why don't you take Ephesians chapter 1? Yes, Ephesians chapter 1. It's found in the New Testament. Look in the index right at the front. It will tell you the page number. <laughs> Go read just one chapter the whole week. Read it every day. It's short. It's not long. Read the same chapter every single day. But you say, oh, and I've been saved like a Christian like 30, 40, 50 years. Well, it's about time you read Ephesians chapter 1 every day for a week. Because it's amazing how God will open up even if you've been saved for 30 years. He will show you new things, mm. put new thoughts in your heart. And if you've never read the Bible before, great place to start because it's all about God's thoughts for you. And, and you know what? Maybe the next week, the second week, you could try chapter two. And take your time and just say, Holy Spirit, would you show me your mm. thoughts? Get God's word, get the Bible and start to meditate on his thoughts and allow his thoughts to change your life, change your actions, change your habits and change your destiny. 
it's so important and the Holy Spirit will remind you throughout your day That's just right. thinking of you talking of Ephesians where he says that we are seated with him in heavenly oh, places yes. above principalities and powers yeah. That's and what he, said, he was saying, Mike, about correct. don't be afraid of your enemies because where are you seated? With Above him. it all. That's right. And he's got an inheritance for us. And we're adopted. Oh, there's so much. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to start. Ephesians chapter 1. Do it again. Holy Spirit, thank you that you touch every single person listening. Thank, thank you, you right Lord. now that your thoughts, mm. you will thank put them you, in Jesus. our hearts. As we read the Bible, as we spend time in community, as we start to do this, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us God's thoughts mm. God's thoughts about my circumstances God's thoughts about my enemies mm. God's thoughts about me yes my identity who I am mm. Holy Spirit Thank we trust you, you. we trust you yes I want to pray Amen. a blessing on every single person listening Thank you. Lord God would you bring bless peace them. into their homes bless them. we come against scrambled thinking mm. scrambled thoughts right now and we say the peace of God in your minds and your soul and in your Amen. spirit and in your body and if you agree Jesus. with that pray shout out in your homes amen amen, amen. amen. this amen. is a great song Claire. we can just from bradford life church yeah we can spend some time just listening to these words and while we're doing that we can get god's thoughts mm. he's worthy and he's holy so just Spend mm. some time in his presence and it's a lovely jazz it's time so i really like it <laughs> enjoy your sunday be blessed <laughs>